Good morning. I'm excited for today. Today is going to be a packed morning. A lot of worship, a lot of being able to connect together. My prayer this morning is that we would have our eyes opened. There's a lot going on in our world that is just pure evil. And today we're going to talk about modern day slavery. We're going to talk about people who are captive. Even right now as we meet in freedom to worship, people are being held captive, forced into labor, being sold as property, and it's evil. Today I want to have our eyes opened. I was reading this week and I was struck by this quote from a Nobel Prize winner. He said, Everything which is further away, which does not threaten this very day to invade our threshold, with all its groans, its stifled cries, its destroyed lives, even if it involves millions of victims, this we consider on the whole to be perfectly bearable and of tolerable proportions. And the idea is, if something is far away, if, it can, if I can just close my eyes to it, then I don't have to worry about it. Then I can go on with my normal, everyday, comfortable life. And I, and I don't have to think about it. And it doesn't have to weigh down on my shoulders. That the freedom that I have may be the only thing that I look at. And I think we miss so much when our eyes are like that. And so my prayer this morning is that our eyes are opened. That God stabs us in the heart to say, I want you to see what is going on. And this isn't like a giddy up, go on a mission because it's something good to do. We're going to talk this morning about how justice is at the heart of God. At the center of the character of God, we have a God of justice who pursues justice, who is already at work in the world, seeking out people who are trapped and bringing them to freedom. And we get to join him in that. We who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, join him in the work of bringing justice and freedom in this world. And that's what this morning is about. I hope it doesn't end this morning, but that you hear something this morning from the Holy Spirit that says, I want you to know this, I want you to live this, and I want you to do this. And by the end of the morning, I hope you have actionable steps that you can take, not just as something that you should do, but something that you feel that God is calling out of you. We're going to center this morning around worship. It's not just about our actions. It's not just about doing something good. Our activity has to start in worship. We have to see God in the midst of the evil, or we'll be paralyzed, or we'll just be discouraged, and we'll do nothing with it. We have to see the God who is already at work, that builds hope in us and instills a vision for what's to come. So let's pray together. We'll worship and we'll kick right off with a video that sets the tone for the day. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you that you are here in our midst and we pray that you would open our eyes to you this morning. Make us perceptive of you. Would you humble us? Would you show us conflict? I want you to bother us. In ways that we are blind to what's going on, I pray that you would open our eyes. In ways that we are comfortable with what's going on, I pray that you would unsettle us. Show us who you are. Help us to worship you, even in the midst of a broken world, so that we're transformed. And so we can bring transformation like you already are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're working 14, 18 hour days with very little sleep, no freedom, dignity is taken away from them. And, and that's something nobody should have to endure. We had a number of years ago, two of the bond laborers escaped from a facility. And they were tracked down by the owners of the facility and, and brought back. And as a punishment for what they had done, their hands were chopped off. We would go to the government officers and we'd say, Sir, there is a bonded labor case. And almost always the response was, There is no bonded labor in my area. What are you talking? How much? 30? Yeah, yeah, we're afraid. Ruchira, there's a girl who's very afraid. Almost unable to walk. This is Kumar. He was abandoned by his mother 
and his father was suddenly killed. Orphaned and alone, he was accountable for his parents' debts. And at just seven years old, he was forced into slavery. Kumar remembers a day where he was so ill he couldn't get out of bed. Immediately, his owner came looking for him. Kumar was trapped by debt and a slave owner who beat him continuously. He, like so many, had no remaining hope for a way out. IJM discovered the horrific conditions in the brick factory where Kumar and others were being forced to work against their will. And, based on their undercover video evidence, local government authorities and police came alongside IJM to conduct a rescue operation. The more and more we are doing these rescues, people are getting aware that people are being abused, there is bonded labor, there is trafficking. Also, the law is going to take its course as well as perpetrators go behind. When the team arrived in the morning and entered the brick factory, 15 men, women, and children were rescued and given their freedom back. Then, they were each given a certificate to prove that they no longer owe any debts to their former owner. And one was for Kumar. After being rescued, IJM placed Kumar in their aftercare program to heal. You'd ask him a question anytime, no matter what, and he would say, the one thing I want to do sir, is I want to study. He was clear about that. And then, they enrolled him in school for the first time. Today, he is studying to be a social worker, to help those still suffering like he did. And what we do at IJM is we go look for that lost sheep, that girl that's being abused, that widow who's been run out of her home. And we will search for her until we find her. That's how our Father has loved us. That's how we are called to love others. Not to search for them until we've satisfied ourselves. Not to search for them until it gets really hard. But to go after them until we find them. To be relentless in our love. We're going to move into a time of uh, a number of testimonies and stories this morning. Uh, people in our church who have um, heard from God around uh, one aspect or angle of this subject and uh, have been moved and are doing something. And I want, it, I want you to be able to hear their stories because in their stories there's something that uh, God might press on your heart. 
to say, I, I think God is calling me in this way. I think God is calling me to move in that direction, and I want to join in that. So four or five stories, depending on how you count a couple. Um, and uh, um, I'm just I'm going to open the mic up right now to Jonathan and Sylvia. They're going to come up and talk about what God has been doing in their life and how they're responding to that. Good morning. Um, I'm Sylvia, and this is my husband, Jonathan. Uh, I work at Karis Classical Academy, and I heard about December last uh, October or so from Kirsten Tucci. And uh, December is where all of December you wear a dress and, and men wear a tie, and it uh, brings awareness for human trafficking. And I decided, since some of my coworkers were doing it, I was like, all right, I'll do it. Um, there wasn't a lot behind it. I just decided to do it. And God was so faithful in how, I don't know how much awareness I brought to other people, but how it changed me. And how being faithful and just getting up and wearing a dress every day in December, um, was really changing, like, it really changed my life, um, in, I mean, the biggest way was just to see, um, a daily reminder of the Lord and the work that he's doing, not just in my life, but all over the world, um, for me to be more connected to the world, um, was really wonderful, um, and the other way was that I was a part of something. People were praying, and I actually, Jonathan and I were able to answer some big prayers um, through this. And it was, it's just as exciting to pray and see it answered, but also to be the answer for someone else's prayer um, and their pleading. So, yeah, I'm so excited for this December. I, I can't wait. I've been, like, since June, like, can I, like, when is it happening again? Um, so I just, I loved the experience and just how much it changed me. This is something that I have to be honest about. It does take effort. It is uncomfortable, but you can do this. And it does help people. Like, everybody I know, like, know this is every day. And they're like, hey, what's with the tie? And you can tell them then your story. Uh, and I just have one thing to that I want to read. Not that one. That's okay. Thank you. Uh, Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And... Yeah, just for us to remember that we do not have the strength and the power to save these people, but our God does. Hey, I am Kirsten Tucci, and I also did December last year, ever since its beginning, and um, it's been a pleasure to be a part of that with uh, men and women that I admire and love. Um, like last time I shared up here, you guys, I'm just going to read <laughs> my heart to you or else I'm going to fall apart. So I appreciate your grace for that. Um, God has used music, film, civil rights leaders, organizations, family, friends, and his word to continually call me forward on the mission to end slavery. I can trace this call back to even around 25 years ago. I've always been most inspired by men and women who have the gift of faith, faithful workers for the kingdom who ask God for what they need, and God always gives them what they need at just the right times. Most of my heroes have already fought the good fight and finished the race. These faithful ones are now standing in the streets of gold. But one of my heroes who is still on this earth is the founder of International Justice Mission. The Bible verses that he founded IJM on are Psalm 10, 17, and 18, which are, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. 
you will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. The founder of this man has encouraged me, even dared me to live courageously and fearlessly in the work of ending slavery. These verses in Psalm 10 give me strength because I know God is doing the work and he chooses to call me into it. But sometimes the enemy of our souls will use despair to make us powerless, to lead us away from the path that God is calling us to walk. Over the years, I've asked myself the despairing question, what can I do? Then the enemy attacks on a lie. He says, you're just a stay-at-home mom. You don't have contacts, networks to do this. But I've been encouraged to turn that despair into an unceasing prayer. God, what can I do? What he can do is be true to his word. Um, he says in Acts 17, 26 and 27, these are like life verses for me. And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So he puts us in certain places at certain times so that we would seek him and find him together. As he continually calls me to fight for the fatherless and the oppressed, he puts, in me specific, he puts me in specific places with specific people. Like when I met the woman who would become the founder of Josember, which is the yearly campaign that raises money for international justice mission and other anti-trafficking organizations by wearing a dress for 31 days in December. So because I was in relationship with this woman who founded December, and because God had been leading me with compassion to fight against slavery, I became a December advocate right away. December is about being clothed in a dress so that other women and girls can be clothed not only physically, but so that they can be clothed in dignity as daughters of the king, clothed in the knowledge that they no longer have to undress to submit to the tyrannical oppression of being a slave in the sex trade. This is why we wear a dress every day throughout the frigid Wisconsin December. <laughs> God has done real things through this. I'm not a lawyer who can prosecute human traffickers or a social worker that can help heal minds and hearts of those who are rescued, but God is using me to end slavery in a real and tangible way, to raise support for all those, for all that's needed on a rescue mission so they can do their jobs with excellence. I've been asked to give my testimony this morning. A testimony is a public declaration of my experience with God and what he has done. I declare that God has set me free and he's also setting people free from real physical slavery so that they can know him as the truth and be set free and healed from their pain and suffering. And so I respond to what God has done and is doing. One response to God's call on our lives as a family is that Tony and I teach our children that slavery and oppression is evil and that God calls us to fight it. We teach them that they treat women as daughters of the king, the king whom, to whom they will give an account. We teach them that God uses us to set captives free as we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength as we love our neighbors as ourselves. As we do that, we will be distinct, as it says in Exodus 33:15. We won't be distinct as autonomous beings, but distinctly his people doing his will because he is worthy of it. Thank you. So when I was asked by Shannon to write about what got me into slavery Madison, it's a local organization here in Madison that brings awareness of human trafficking in Dane County, in Madison, in Wisconsin. I did my usual response. I saw the movie Half the Sky on PBS. It moved me to the point where I got the movie and got involved in Slave Free Madison. 
to bring awareness. He said, no, I want you to tell your story. So, after much grumbling and saying, wouldn't big facts be more effective and informative? Shannon remained firm and repeated himself and said, I want you to tell your story and how God was and still is involved in it. My story is simple. I got angry and I got fed up. I got fed up being at different meetings about human trafficking and hearing how the numbers are going up, not down. I got fed up with an inadequate justice system with the laws that had not caught up with what was really going on. I got fed up with the learning about the non-existent support services for exploited survivors of trafficking in Wisconsin. And most of all, I got fed up with clapping. Because at, all, at the end of with all the speakers I would listen to, movie viewings I would see, and panel discussions I would attend, I would clap like the rest of the audience at the end. And I just got to the point where I decided I need to do more than just clap. To the point where I even approached one of the founders of Slave Free Madison and said, who goes to different events and even speaks with legislators about human trafficking in Wisconsin and asked, can we do more than inform people, watch movies, and listen to speakers? She asked what I meant, and I just said, I'm fed up with clapping. I even did that little polite golf clap y'all do, you know, for an example. Now, for, as for God's calling for me about this, there was no big booming voice saying, Jeannie, go forth and protect thy children. There was no burning bush talking to me. It was that deep feeling inside of me when you know something runs wrong and you need to do more and you just can't ignore it anymore. I grew up believing in a God and one of the biggest lessons I was taught from my parents was to protect and fight those who can't fight for themselves. I was also to use the gifts that God gives you to help those in need. So I used my gift of accessorizing and coordinated two fashion shows using only fair trade products. The first one was a fundraiser for a domestic abuse shelter in Beaver Dam. The second one was for the Fair Trade Holiday Festival here in Madison, and I called it Saving the World, One Accessory at a Time. And with my voice, my big loud voice that I don't sing with, and I don't need a microphone to be heard, I decided to speak for those who could not. I speak for them to tell you to do one thing. Stop clapping. Way to go, Josh. You cannot clap a problem away. If you want to cause change to a problem, clapping is not an answer. Clapping does not help the eight-year-old being sold to a brothel by her family in Cambodia. Since March of 2012, there have been over 400 trafficked children identified in Dane County. Clapping does not provide for them the services they truly need. Clapping does not decrease the $150 billion human, trafficking, dollars human traffickers earn each year. Heroin traffickers earn about $100 to $110 billion each year. God has changed something inside of me forever to stop clapping. And I only hope with today he changes you to stop clapping as well. With Slave Free Madison, we are informing people about two important things that need to be changed by our government in Wisconsin. First, reinstating the Department of Children and Family Services 2017-2019 budget request for $5.8 million for the fiscal year 2018 and the $6.5 million for the fiscal year 2019 to meet the cost to continue the, uh, the act of Act 367 for services and treatment for children and youth who have been or are at risk of being trafficked here in Wisconsin. In the 2015-2016 budget, there was only $2 million appropriated for this act. How much did Foxconn get? We are responsible for preventing child sex trafficking, and we are also responsible for helping those we fail to protect.
In the 2017-2018 budget, this was only increased to $3 million. This money is used to fund to support services and fight and help people in a $1 billion market. Currently, there is only one residential place in Wisconsin where children who have experienced the need, who have experienced the trauma of trafficking can go as part of a court-ordered treatment system and get the help and services they need by trained staff and counselors. That is a 10-bed facility in Shawano County. This program has, is geared for victims aged 10 to 21. However, it has adjusted programs for children ages 4 to 6 who have been sexually exploited by trafficking. In Madison, Briar Patch is not court-ordered, so at-risk children can leave at any time, and also an adult must be present to help check them in. They don't offer the support these children need. The second thing you can do is regarding the statute 94430. It's regarding prostitution in Wisconsin. Currently, the law states a person can be arrested among many conditions if they are inmate in a place of prostitution. And that means, and if they are under the age of 18, if the person under this subsection has not attained the age of 18 years and the court determines that the best interests of that person are served and society will not be harmed, the court may enter a consent decree under Statute 93832, or it's commonly known as deferred prosecution. Meaning, the minor child can have the threat of prosecution hanging over them for years. Prosecutors state they use this as a bargaining chip to get the child to testify against their pimp or trafficker. Pimps use it as a weapon, telling the minor, no one's going to care about you mindset. They tell you, you go to the authorities, you're going to be arrested just along with me, but at least I provide you with food, shelter, clothing. One speaker I listened to that runs the street outreach program at Briar Patch told of a 15-year-old girl who left Briar Patch because she found out her pimp was being arrested and she had to go to make sure he was okay. You need to contact your representative. There is a web page with DRC that will link you to who your representative is. And you need to contact them and tell them to increase the funding for Wisconsin Acts 367 and 368. From the $3 million, it was given to the $5.8 million it needs. And to tell them to vote for amendments, Representative Bill, Jill Billings of La Crosse proposed for the statutes changing 94430 regarding the arrest and charging of minors for prostitution. They are just small steps that need to be done right now. They may not seem much, but it's a start. And I hope my story will make you do more and stop clapping. Good morning, everybody. I'm Tracy Fountain, and today I'm going to be sharing three stories, because I think God uses stories to change our hearts and speak to our hearts and even sometimes change our lives and move them in different directions. So four years ago, uh, next weekend, I was in Sonoma, California. Um, one of our friends were getting married, and we had some off time between... Uh, the wedding, so I was just hanging out, walking around by myself, and I stumbled into a photo gallery, um, and I there was beautiful pictures in the front, and it drew me in, and in the back was Lisa Christine's work on modern-day slavery. And I kind of heard of slavery before, and these are some of the pictures that she took, and I sat in that place for an hour and a half, and I cried. I cried because I, like I said, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know until I saw these pictures and I read these, these people's stories. But that was four years ago, and I don't have time to tell the stories of these particular pictures, but you can check out her work against modern-day slavery. But it hit me in my heart, but I didn't do anything about it because it felt big and it felt paralyzing, and what can I do in Madison, Wisconsin about this? But God used that moment to plant something in me. 
So fast forward a couple years, and all I did at that point was follow them on follow her on Facebook, and um, I had heard about International Justice Mission, so I pressed like on their Facebook page too. And I had my baby last summer, Milo, and I have to admit I was on Facebook a lot <laughs> when I was nursing him, and up popped this. Uh, thing about from IJM, a movie, and it said, watch this little short documentary about Super Marco. So Lisa Christine was my first story, Super Marco's my second story, and we're going to play that video of Super Marco, and then I'll finish the third story. My name is Marco, I am seven. Superman has the best job ever. He gets to fight crime. I want to be like Superman and protect my sister from the bad guys. She's my best friend. Mom says if I work hard enough, Someday my dream will come true. I tell Gabby she is safe when I put my cape on her. Nothing can hurt her then. I tell her to think of birds. They are free and can fly away. I wonder if one day I can grow wings like a bird and fly. Maybe as fast as Superman. Maybe one day me and Gabby can raise him. If I ever meet Superman, I would want to ask him one question. Did he ever have to hurt the ones he loved the most? sidekick and that Superman would want me to fight crime with him because this say even Superman needs a little help sometimes. Thank you that Jesus is patient with with all of us and and loves us so much. And I, I still cry when I watch that video, and I've, see, I've seen it many times, but I just remember sitting in my bedroom that day, holding Milo, and um, watching that on my phone. And again, just like three years prior to that, it hit, hit me in a place um, that I didn't really know what to do with. 
Um, and <clears throat> that led me to doing nothing again for months. However, in God's grace, I've known Kirsten for years and years and years, and I knew that she was kind of doing dress ember. Uh, but this year, she took the time to, Crystal and I were in the nursery, and she said, hey, what about doing dress ember this year? And I was like, what's dress ember again? Tell me about it. She says, well, we raise money for IJM by wearing a dress. And it was at that moment I felt God saying, this is it. You can wear a dress. You can, you can wear a dress and you can talk about this stuff. Because I didn't know this was happening. I had known about the slavery, but the cybersex trafficking just hit me at a deeper level. And I could wear a dress, and that's what we did. 22 of us, because of what God put on Kirsten's heart, raised $22,000. $22,000 is enough for three rescue missions for kids like Marco. Isn't that amazing? Just by wearing a dress and having us talk about it. Um, but then it, God took me further than that. So through Dressember, I became aware that the reason why people are sold often is poverty and violence. Poverty and violence. They don't have choices. Like we have choices here. And that led, God led me to an organization called Trades of Hope. And what Trades of Hope does is empower women out of poverty by giving them opportunities, by giving them opportunities. And I wanted to share um, just one quick story about one of our artisan groups and how this actually, God uses this all the way to uh, across the world in Pakistan. Uh, our Pakistan artisan group, um, Mushtag and Kanwell, are our husband and wife. They're Christians. They're actually Christians in the slums of Pakistan who have been fighting heavy persecution in their country, and they live among bond slaves. So bond slavery is real today, everybody. Bond slavery is real. Most of the women that are living in bond slavery are making less than seven cents a day in Pakistan in the slums. And... Um, this is Nazarene and her four children in the corner, and her husband died. And they were in bond slavery, and because they couldn't pay their debt, they were going to be forced. Um, they were forced to be sold. They sold her 14-year-old daughter, and they sold Nazarene herself into an arranged marriage, into pretty much sex slavery. And Mushtag, the pastor of this community, heard about it, and he rescued her in the middle of the night. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but he rescued her. He found her and her daughter. And, for example, by giving people opportunity, Trades of Hope is a company. There's many other fair trade organizations. We have a brochure in the back that um, by making a scarf, it's not about a scarf, but we're giving her an income and a job. So she's safe now and has and is able to keep her family together. So one of the ways that we fight modern day slavery is by giving people an opportunity to work in a dignified way and giving them dignity through job opportunity. And so when you're thinking about what we're putting on as far as clothing and what your chocolates and, and coffees and all the things that we enjoy here, you can think about purchasing it from people that are getting paid a fair wage and you are actually changing this woman's life by, by thinking about what you're purchasing. So I'm going to finish um, uh, reading something from uh, an amazing book called Deepening the Soul for Injustice. Um, this is by one of the people that works at IJM. When and if we begin to open ourselves to see inhumanity and justice around the globe, man's inhumanity to man, we all can easily become, it can become crushing, unbearable, paralyzing, even numbing. And that's how I felt. I felt paralyzed and can even invoke utter despair. Yet our God asks us as those who would take upon our cross and follow Jesus to allow ourselves to be drawn into the pain of suffering and violence, to let it break our hearts. Even lead others to these places of pain. That's why I wanted to show you the Super Marco video today. Yes, we are called to bear witness, but our witness must not end with observation or with unbearable pain as the final word. We are called to live 
as those who, in the midst of the unbearable, in the midst of pain, do not shrink, but we choose to rise up because of the God that loves us and the God we serve. We are invited to do something. And you've heard from all the other people today. You can tell that dress summer is a way, a tangible way you can wear a dress with us this year. So we invite you, if God is calling you to do that. We invite you to join with Jeannie and all of us that are going to be emailing and taking up what the government can do to help with local sex trafficking. And we just invite you to pray. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us, what are we going to do now? not be paralyzed, but feel mobilized through the power of the Holy Spirit that he has something for each and every one of us to do here, each and every one of us to do, and you're invited. So I, so I want to I talk about, so why as a church are we doing this, right? Why are we doing this as a church? We could sit, you could sit here simply and say, this is great. All these things are great, but this is no place in the church. This isn't a job for the church to do. The church is to proclaim the good news of the gospel, right? That's a valid question. I want to answer that for you, okay? So like many people up here before, I want to tell you my quick story, and um, I'm going to take about 40 minutes and cram it into 10, hopefully. So I'm going to go quicker than I normally even do. So I, in, in 2006, I was, in, I was finishing my last year of school at Cardinal Stritch in Milwaukee, and I had this ambition to study political science because I was gripped by the fact that I was wondering, where are all the Christians in, this, in, this, in the sphere of, in, in the institutional spheres where people are actually making policy and executing these major decisions, right? My limited perspective was that I didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know where we were going. I, didn't, I hadn't seen a lot of, like, Christians acting in this way. And so I made it my mission. A lot of my friends at the time in these political science classes were like dear, dear friends of ours. And I remember distinctly having great conversation after class with them. We talked about philosophy and theology, you know, and politics and all these things. This was in 2006. And I was like the token Christian guy. Like, it was great because I got to have all these great conversations. And they're like, man, we don't have to do with you because we've never actually talked to a living, breathing Christian before, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so I, I made it my goal. I wanted to, for my senior thesis paper, I wanted to quantifiably document the evangelical impact and evangelical, and the evangelical, wait, I wanted to document the evangelical community's impact in international justice, which seems like I could probably do in 30 pages. <laughs> so um, in, my, in my research and in my discovery, I found several organizations that were doing wonderful work, but I stumbled across IJM, International Justice Mission, and I saw what they were doing, and my mind was blown. And when I shared this with, with my progressive friends, right, and I said, hey, listen, we got these guys who are doing this, they're doing this work, and they're knee-deep litigating in, like, third-world countries to, like, change the law, change the whole system of governance. And this is because they care about who Jesus is. That's why they're doing it. I was so grateful, right? I'm like, man, we found, we found one we could talk about, you know? And if you go today to the IJM website, it's very formal. It looks almost like a UN, like the UN website or some sort of, some large multinational NGO, right? And they say right on there who we are. We are Christians. We are convicted by, like, by the pain and the suffering in the world. And, and I just think, man, I'm so grateful for that. And so I was shaken and awoken by that institutionally and academically. Okay? So academically, my mind, I'm like, okay, so this is powerful. The second time where my heart was moved by this whole idea of slavery and sex trafficking and all the horrors and pure evil that you've already heard talk about today was, I referenced it last week, I was at the Living Hope um, International Benefit a couple weeks ago, but I had gone there two years ago as well. And this is my first time there in a while. And this organization, Living Hope, that we all are familiar with, we pray for the kids every week. It's been around for 23 years. Well, they started as just rescuing people off the street, right? And so now they have a school, now they have a church, now they have a mission, missionary sending agency, and it's powerful. But one of the biggest things that they're doing now with the children that they're rescuing off the street are people who are trapped in sex trafficking, where their parents are putting them in this position because of their own financial situation, right? Out of their own brokenness, they're taking their own children. And that's nebulous, okay? This is out there, far land. We can talk about Cambodia and Thailand and all these other places. Mexico gets a little closer to home, right? But then here I am sitting there two years ago and uh, 
sitting there two years ago, at, and I brought Michael and Caleb with, and Kirsten were sitting at this table, and I'm not expecting this, so I wasn't prepared for it. And Jerry, who's the founder of the organization, a friend of mine who I know, man, he could have warned me. He, you know, I'm sitting there, so we have, like I said, a million times, we have five boys. At this point, I'm holding Iris. Iris is like four months old. I think, four or five months old, something like that. I'm just holding her. I'm just like, yeah, it's so cool. I'm so glad that we can be here to pay for this dinner so we can support. And he starts to talk about like how the most recent person that they brought into the street was a seven-year-old girl named Jasmine. And again, you guys, are, if there's skeptics in the room, you could be like, great, here comes the other story. Yeah, here comes the other story. Because here's the deal. He said that the mom had been taking this girl who's seven and her brother who was 10 and selling them. Now this isn't nebulous to me because this isn't like an organizational relationship that I know Jerry. Like he's a, my sister works for him. My sister knows Jasmine because she's there now, right? And I just wept like a baby as I'm sitting here holding it. We've been waiting for a girl to be born in our family for 15 years, right? And I finally have Iris, and I'm holding her, and the weight of all of it just, just falls on me so heavy. I'm literally sitting there like a mad, mad weeping. I'm like shaking. I'm like, and I have the awareness because I'm, you know, fear what people think of me. I'm like, what are people going to think? You know, I'm sitting here shaking. I'm just like, never mind, you know? So here's the deal. Like, this is real. This was real to me, and it became so real. And I said, man, this is a gospel issue, right? Because I see their organization, and I see what Living Hope is doing, and I see what IJM is doing, and I see, man, this is powerful. This is how we contend for the gospel. Because you know what? When Jerry gets up to speak somewhere, he can get a hearing with the president of Mexico. You know why? Because they're doing something. That's not out there. I'm not making this stuff up. So like, man, the work you guys have been doing for the past 20 years, faithfully grinding out, tying shoes, pulling pants up, making sure they look dressed for, getting dressed for school, faithfully over years and years and years, gets you a hearing in Mexico City to say, hey, what do we need to do? Can we send you our people? That's no joke. And that's just one example that's not even on my notes, so I better hurry up. Here's why we're doing this as a church, because we believe that God's heart is to see the captive set free, and his means to do so is through his people, the church. The church is so uniquely distinct and poised to be the institution and organization that puts an end to slavery, because guess where the church is by God's grace? In every single country, on this earth, whether publicly, like we, like we have the freedom here to speak publicly about God's goodness, right? We can preach, we can be Christians, we can not fear for our lives. Some countries that's not the case, and there's a lot of fear that takes place, and there's a lot of persecution that's going on. Nonetheless, who did, who, <laughs> Jesus said he would build his church, amen? And he is going to. He is going to. So the church is being built, and the church is advancing, and it's all over the earth. Deeply embedded. So opportunistically, governments should look at the church and say, man, you guys are in places we wish we could be. But yet you are with your network because you guys are crazy. You're so committed to this God of the Bible. You're so committed to Jesus who loves you that you're willing to risk your lives to go into places, to be where no one thinks you should be, to risk your life for the sake of Jesus' name and for the salvation of his people and for the freedom of his people. So that's why we talk about it in church. That's why we're talking about it right here. That's why you're squirming in your seat right now. Right? This is a Jesus thing. This is a gospel thing because this has already been read today, but if you look in Luke 4, Jonathan read this, and it's so powerful, so powerful. So Jesus, when he comes on, when he comes on earth and he starts his public ministry, we know the story, but let me recap it for you. Okay? So Jesus goes to get baptized, and John the baptized John the Baptist, rather, baptizes Jesus, baptizes Jesus. When he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes down and anoints him, and the sky splits, right? This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus goes off to prepare for his ministry, and he steps into the desert, and he gets tempted. He steps into the desert to pray and fast for 40 days, and the devil just goes to town on him. 
And the devil leaves him because Jesus keeps speaking back to him with the word. Man doesn't live on bread alone, right? He starts just getting at him, which should be a good reminder that, like, if Jesus knew the word, we should know the word, right? So Jesus, he comes in, and this is in Luke 4 again. He opens up the scrolls in the synagogue, and he reads this. I'm going to read it again. It's already been read today once. This is in verse 18. So Luke 4, 18, we're going to read through 21. So picture this. Jesus is starting his ministry. People don't know who he is. In Luke, in Luke 4, they say, man, isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? What's he doing up there? And why does he have the authority on him like that? So let's read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. So, so far so good. He's been given this text to read and Jesus gets up to stand to read it. Right? This is not, this so far isn't the mind-blowing part. Right? Except for when he sits down or he gives the, the scroll back he goes and he sits down. Everyone's looking at him because he's clearly anointed by the Holy Spirit. And when he speaks, it sounds a little different. And this is what Jesus says. Verse 21. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came. So they were familiar with the text from Isaiah. This would have been a familiar text. He reads it and he says, Hey, this is fulfilled today. With me. With me. So pay attention. This is what I have come for. Pay attention. That is, that's some powerful stuff right there. That turns some heads, right? And so Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen? He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. He came to give sight to the blind, to liberty to those who were oppressed. Now this is something, again, this is both a physical thing and a spiritual thing, right? Because we're enslaved by the power of Satan, sin, and death. And that's the gospel that Jesus came to step into the place to take the penalty on our behalf so that we can be free. So that we can be free. So now, how do, we, what do we, how do we live now that we're freed spiritually? How do we live now that the shackles of our own enslavement are gone? Right? What do we do now? What do we do? We don't sit by passively and wait for somebody else to do it. And then we hear all these stories, all this pure evil. When we're talking about baby girls getting exploited, let that sit on you. That is painful. Right? So it's evil out there. But Thank God for his goodness. Amen? Thank God for his goodness. He wants to use the church. The church will advance. He will build his church. He wants to use his people to do the work of setting captives free, spiritually and physically. Not, not just one of them. Amen? Not just one of them. Both of them. Right? So when the gospel comes in and it penetrates by the power of the Spirit, our hearts are moved and we repent of our sin and we're forgiven for that. And we're like, oh Lord, you love me and you give me work to do. Right? So the order matters. Right? The order matters. As we're freed from our sin, as we're freed from our own enslavement, our own bondage to sin, which is powerful, which cost the Father dearly. It cost him his son so that we could be free. And this isn't just this nebulous idea. We toss freedom around like it's just this, it loses its meaning, right? And by God's grace, with the, with the, with the, right, with the increased awareness of sexual trafficking and oppression, right? Like 10 years ago, I'd never heard of IGM. I'd never heard of like Christians getting in here and like taking, rather than going to work for some law firm and making a bunch of bank, they're like, you know what? I'm going to get at it and I'm going to go be a missionary essentially and use my degree to go serve in this way. Right Now there's more awareness of it. So with increased awareness raises the requirement that we have increased stewardship around it. Right? Because we hear all of this and our response could be several things. Right, And there's only one right response. There's only one right response, but there's several options. One is despair. And you can despair. Good Lord, what do people do who care for justice that don't have a loving Savior? What do you do? You curl up in a ball. 
And you weep and that's it. Unless you know that Jesus loves you. Unless you know that Jesus hates injustice. That he came to set the captives free. And that because you're free, you can come alongside and you can go do the work. But if you don't have Jesus, if you don't have the saving power of him in your life, what good are you? What good can we do, right? Like, and there's many, many people, many, many people who I love dearly who are working for justice and they don't have Jesus as their savior, right? And I love them dearly, good Lord. I wish I could explain to you more, right? But it's so heavy because they don't have the love of the Father. They don't have a recognition. They haven't, they've rejected who Jesus is and the work still gets done, Right? The, the work can still get done, but not to the level that it can be with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we can be despair. We can be indifferent. We can be indifferent. Like here's someone saying, what do we do? Like you're not saying, I don't know what to do here. I, you know what? You could have indifference. You, maybe you don't feel indifference now, right? Because like you're feeling the weight emotionally of all this stuff. Maybe you don't feel the indifference now, but you do run the risk of feeling deferred indifference. Right? Because after today, we're going to eat some food, and I'm going to take Caleb to a soccer game. I'm going to try to get a run in. Right? Then I'm going to do this other kind of stuff. I'm going to try to figure out my day. I'm going to figure out what the next week looks like. And boom, all the emotion, it could potentially be gone. God, let that not be so. Right? We need to dive in. We need to commit to each other. We need to be committed to this idea of justice because Jesus is committed to it. Now, if we don't do it in the right order, you will, you'll walk away today with a heavy burden on your back. Right? You'll walk away with a heavy burden on your back. So, I'm going to quote a, this Bethany, I think, Hung from this book that Tracy just read, Deepening the Soul for Justice. Here's the big idea, Okay? Seeking justice doesn't begin at the door of a brothel. Seeking justice begins with seeking the God of justice. So that's the right response to all of this today. There's actionable steps we can take. Yes, we can go. We can do these things. Yes, for sure. You should. You have to, especially if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you. Right? But seeking justice doesn't start at the door of a brothel. It starts by seeking the God of justice. And your heart will be so moved. Otherwise, you'll be heavy. You'll do this on your own. You'll get frustrated. You'll become cynical. And your work will be worth nothing. Right? But as you seek the God of justice, as you're fueled by his power, as you are given the power that only comes from him, that can be the only changing power anyways, now you can get at it. Amen? So as you seek the God of justice, your heart is turned in worship. That's why what we're doing today is centered around awareness, recognizing what's going on, and, and turning your hearts in worship. So the right response for us has to be when we hear the heaviness and the darkness and the evil that's going on in this world, that right response has to be, Jesus, I need you. First, first. And it can happen pretty quickly after that that you go do something. But first, it needs to be, Jesus, I need you. God, give me the strength and the power I need in my daily life to live my life, to live my life in a way that makes a significant difference, right? And so that can also get its meaning lost too. Like, I just want to make a difference, you know? Jesus does want to use us to make a difference. He came into our space and our time to make a difference, to honor the Father and to call us to him. Amen? That's making a difference, right? But we have to do it in the right order with the, heart, with the right heart posture or we'll be worn, worn out and tired. So the response has to be seeking the God of justice. That's what the gospel speaks to us. So as we're freed, we get to work. And it could happen, boom, boom, right? It could happen like that. That's what you see. That's what you hear the stories. This happens. Tracy hears, boom, I got to act, right? No one's clapping here today because of what Jeannie said, right? She's done clapping, right? So like something happened, boom, boom, right? But our hearts, our response as a church and individually should be, we need to get on our knees and pray. We need to get before the Father. We need to worship him for his goodness. We need to trust him in his goodness in the face of pure evil, and that's a challenge that's not easy. That's a challenge because you could say, and the skeptics can say, well, where is God? Matt can't answer that. It requires courage, it requires faith, and it requires wisdom to recognize that God is still good. And you know what? Like Peter said, where else are we going to go anyway? 
Right? Where else are we going to go? Jesus has the words of life. Amen? He has the words of life. So here's where we're at. So to wrap this up. So we're going to head into a time of worship. And as you're hearing all these things that we've, that we've talked about today, if your heart is hurt, pray. If your heart is heavy, worship. Worship and rest. Worship as warfare, right? Worship as warfare. Worship and find your hope in the King of Kings. And also, we can, we, can, we can start rolling on worship, I think, right? So we can head into worship now. Here's the thing. Also, I'm not naive to think that as we've been sitting here today, that God hasn't been pricking your heart, that the Holy Spirit hasn't been speaking to you about your own enslavement, about your own darkness that you have, the own sense of bondage that you have that you haven't confessed, that you still got on your back. You know what? Today's the day, right? We're going to want to pray with you. So as we're singing today, we want you to feel the freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit to come and to pray with one of us, right? So in the back here, we do this not all the time, but we want to do a better job of this. We want to minister to the needs of the body. And if you're hearing today, man, I got some stuff I got to get off my chest. I want to get freed from my own sin, my own entanglements, and I want to confess that, and I want to get freedom by the power of the Spirit over some of these things that are in my heart, and you want to pray with somebody? Man, I hope you do. I hope you do. So we want to set up that time. So in the back, we want to give you privacy. We want to have the room for the Holy Spirit to move in your heart while we worship. And if you don't, if that's not something on you, man, that's wonderful. Worship. Sing loudly. Jeannie, sing loudly. Use that voice. You know what? He loves to hear the praises of his people. You should feel humbled. You should feel heavy. And you should take that heavy burden to the cross today. Today. Don't let despair, don't let indifference come in and creep in on you. Turn your hearts in worship. And come tonight for prayer. So tonight at prayer, we're going to have, that's the other thing I want to say, right? So I'm excited about that. So 6.30 here, we're going to pray as a body again for this issue. To see the God of justice move in our hearts, in our city, and in our country, and in the nebulous other countries that we don't wrap our minds around. So come as a body and pray tonight. Amen. Father, thank you that you that you are a God of justice, but that you hate injustice more than even all of us do. And that you've given us a place as your children to receive your love, to receive your deep and pure love, and that you call us your sons and your daughters, and that you died for us, or that from a position of that, that we can come and we can worship you, and we can see, we can work in tangible ways to see people's lives changed. God, I pray that you would take these words, Lord, and that you would use these examples and the testimonies and point people back to you first and foremost, that, they, that we all as a body would seek you, the God of justice, and get to work towards seeing other people freed. So I pray that now you would stir in our hearts a deep desire and a deep passion to get after it and to get, to get on our feet, on our knees, Father, and pour our hearts to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said he was the light of the world. And then he called us the light of the world. That we, we go to him to see the light. We go to him to see freedom. We go to him to see the truth. And then he pours that into us so that we can carry that into the world. It's not that God just rescues people by himself. He uses us. God uses people to rescue people. That's a beautiful thing about where he's at. And so I don't, if you are hearing from God today, if things are jumping out at you, or if you're feeling compelled, I want to just kind of put in front of you again the, uh, the number of responses that you could take today. The first one is, uh, if you need to do business with God, like if God is pressing down on you, like your own chains, your own bondage, your own being trapped by sin, like, do business with God. If you're angry about that, or if you're torn by that, or if you're hopeless by that, don't, don't do that alone. Open up to somebody. Open up to somebody and do business with God. We have a table over in the back. Jeannie's waving her arm. 
There are a number of options coming out of the testimonies today. You can find out more about Dressember. You can sign up if you're feeling like, God, don't let this moment escape from me. Men and women, you can sign up for Dressember and say, this this year, like Sylvia talked about, I don't even know what I'm getting into, but I hope that my eyes are open up more and I will make a difference. God will use little old me to make a difference. And you can sign up for that today. You can sign up, uh, you can learn more about IJM, International Justice Mission, about what they're doing. You can even become a monthly uh, supporter of them and, and find out more about what's going on there. There's, um, we are working to get up on our website. We have a page on our website now for Freedom Sunday with some of the videos and some of the testimonies from today that you can go check that out. We're going to get a link from Jeannie on legal change to say systemic change that needs to happen and how you can be a part of that. We're going to get that up this week so that you can find your representative and you can contact and you can figure out how to do that. You can find out more about Slave Free Madison and the work that Jeannie and others are involved right here in our own backyard in bringing people freedom. Find out more about Fair Trade, Trades of Hope, and the uh, holiday um, Fair Trade show and how you can shop in a way that actually uh, makes a difference in people's lives. And then, um, and then come and pray tonight. Come and pray tonight. I think God moves in prayer. And if we're going to make a difference in this, we've got to be people who are praying about it. Because I want you to come tonight and I want you to pray and I want us to be on our knees and collectively be praying in this direction. And if you've got stuff that you need prayer for, we want to create some space tonight to say, we want chains gone. We want freedom found for us and around the world. All right? I want to read for you uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 as an encouragement, as a blessing as we go. And then we're going to turn the corner into a meal. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. That's our prayer today. We say amen.